would turn in your Bibles to Psalm number 46. Psalm 46. And I'm going to begin with Scripture right out of the bat, right out of the gate. Because I want you to know about this Jesus we've been singing about. Amen? I want you to know about the God who loves you beyond measure. I want you to know about the God who walks with you through the fire, who walks with you through the storm, and who walks with you through the deep waters of life. Amen? I want you to know Him. Psalm 46, beginning in verse number 1. The Bible says that God, say God. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth will be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. Think about that. That God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. There's a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her just as at the break of dawn. The nations raged, and the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Salem. Come and behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars to cease in the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah, you just think about that. Yesterday was 9-11. And today is 9-12. Yesterday we remembered the Islamic terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York. The Pentagon in Washington and Flight 93 that crashed in the fields of Pennsylvania. In those terrorist attacks committed by Muslim extremists, 2,977 people were killed. Now I want to put that in perspective for you. I want you to imagine all the people in Lexington, Alabama... Imagine all the people in Minor Hill, Tennessee. Imagine all the people in Anderson, Alabama. Imagine all the people in Rogersville, Alabama. Put them all together. And you have about 3,000 people. So Islamic terrorists wiped out what could have amounted to our whole community. So for the 20th time, we remember, as well we should. But I believe that God not only wants us to remember the events of 9-11, but He wants us to remember 9-12. He wants us to remember how we woke up different that day. 
You see, some events in human history impact us so greatly that they are forever ingrained in our mind. Where we were, what we were doing, when we heard the news. While I was only a baby, I know that many here know exactly where they were when they heard that President John F. Kennedy had been assassinated. Who remembers where they were? Amen. I'll never forget that I was in the state capitol building in Little Rock, Arkansas when I heard that the space shuttle Challenger had exploded shortly after takeoff. 20 years ago, I remember hearing that of all things, a plane had crashed into the World Trade Center. And my co-workers and I turned on the television just in time to see the second plane hit that second tower. Where were you when all that happened? Every time I watch the footage, it seems like I relive it. How many here today can feel it just like you were there 20 years ago. We said, we will never forget. And many never have. But it seems that for the most part, America has forgotten. It seems for the most part that politicians have forgotten. But the Islamic terrorists remember and they celebrate it every year. I think we need to go back to 9-12. We need to go back to 9-12, but it seems that we're stuck in a 9-10 frame of mind. How can we as a nation avoid Another imminent 9-11 attack. Well, today I want to ask and attempt to answer some questions that have puzzled so many since that tragic day 20 years ago. The first question is, how could we allow that to happen on our own soil? Another question is, does it seem like we're inviting them to return and do even worse? Where were we on 9-11? And more importantly, where was God on 9-11? Friends, where were you on 9-12? And more importantly, where are you today as a result of that date? Perhaps the most common question that I heard after that tragedy, especially from unbelievers, was where was God on 
Where was God on 9-11? I submit to you that God was in the same place that he was when Adam was sinning in the Garden of Eden. God was there providing a covering for Adam and Eve's sin. Where was God when man was raising his fist in rebellion to God? I mean, couldn't have God, couldn't he have just stopped sin before it even began? But it's not a matter of whether he could have or not. It's a matter of God's design for humanity and his plan for redemption. You see, God designed human beings with the freedom to choose. The freedom to choose. And knowing full well that we would make disastrous choices, God made provision for men and women to be redeemed from their sins. So when Adam and Eve first fessed up, can I tell you that God was there? He was there providing a covering for their shame. And when God placed that ultimate punishment on that innocent victim, can I tell you, God was there. Make no mistake, friend. He was there. But where was God on 9-11? May I submit to you that he was in the same place that he was when he told Noah to build that ark. That's right. God was protecting Noah and his family from imminent disaster. Sadly, man's rebellion did not end with Adam and Eve. Their sons and their sons' sons followed the same rebellious path until ultimately the wickedness of man's sin rose as a stench to the holiness of God. Yet even in the midst of all that ungodliness, the Bible says that Noah found grace with God. Here was a man. He wasn't a perfect man by no means. But he was a righteous man whom the Bible said... Faithfully proclaim the righteousness of God. And when God was grieved, so grieved with man's wicked rebellion, when he was so determined that he was going to wipe men and women from the face of the earth, he also determined that he was going to spare Noah and his family and repopulate planet earth from them. So... In mankind's greatest natural disaster, the flood, make no mistake, God was there. God was there protecting his own. But where was God in 9-11? Can I submit to you that he was in the same place that he was when Job lost all that he had except for his nagging wife? Amen? Amen. Men cannot say amen to that, amen? He was there proving himself to be God over all those tragic events that transpired in Job's life. 
as Noah's generation experienced Earth's greatest natural disaster, Job's experience ranks at the very top of mankind's personal disaster. Again, we see a man. We see a good man. A godly man standing up for what's right. Standing against what's wrong. But did being blameless, did being upright make Job immune from the disasters and the tragedies and the problems of life? Nope. So where was God? Was God absent from Job's life? Had he turned his back on Job? Would Job return the favor by turning his back on God? Can I tell you no, no, and no? God had not deserted Job. He, and Job would not curse God, even though his less than faithful wife urged him to do so. So where was God when Job was losing everything? Where was God when Job's children were killed? Where was God when Job's flesh was racked with pain? God was there. God was there. And Job determined that it was God's prerogative to give, but also to take. Job determined that it was his duty to bless the name of the Lord. So, in the end, make no mistake, friend, God was there. God was proving himself to be God and in the process, giving Job double of all that he'd lost. God was there. But where was God on 9-11? Can I submit to you, friend, that he was in the same place that he was when Abraham's faith faltered? God was preparing Abraham to be a vessel, a vessel in which all the families of the earth would be blessed. You see, many people believe that the tragic struggles, the, that today's struggles with Muslims can be traced back to this unfortunate incident in Abraham's life. God told Abraham, the father of the faithful, to leave his homeland and to go to a promised land that his descendants would inherit. There was only one problem. Job didn't have no descendants. Or not Job, but Abraham didn't have any descendants. Abraham had a, a beautiful wife. Abraham had many servants. Abraham had a lot of possessions. But Abraham didn't have no kids. How was God going to fulfill his promise if Abraham didn't have any kids? Abraham was already old. His wife was well past childbearing age. So maybe 
Maybe God needed some help. Amen? Enter their servant, Hagar. There's nothing wrong with helping God out, right? God does his part. We do ours. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's not the way it works. But to Abraham and Hagar is born a son. A son named Ishmael who became the father of the modern Arab community and also the father of Islam. Ishmael is not the son of the promise. The son of the promise was reserved for Isaac, the child of Abraham and Sarah. And when Abraham was 100 years old and Sarah was 90 years old, we can make no mistake that God was there. For it was he, it was he that performed the miracle of Isaac's birth. But where was God on 9-11? He was in the same place that he was when Joseph was rotting in jail. God was producing his perfect will in and through Joseph. If ever anybody was misunderstood, if anybody ever anybody was ill-treated, it was Joseph. If there was ever anyone who suffered wrongly, It was Joseph. Yet with all the hardships and all the problems, with all the abuse, Joseph was able to honestly say, you meant it for my harm, but God meant it for good. Each step of the way, God took Joseph's trying circumstances and produced the man that he would one day become. Make no mistake, God was there. Even though I'm sure at some time or another, Joseph wondered, where are you, God? So where was God on 9-11? I could go on and on and on sharing with you experiences in the Bible about people that ask the same question. Moses on the backside of the blistering wilderness being prepared for greater service. God was there. Samson fumbling about in blindness, but yet being strengthened in his moment of weakness, God was there. Jonah being swallowed by a fish, but learning that God's way is best, God was there. Daniel being thrown into the den of hungry lions, but resting comfortably on a lion skin rug the hands of men that wanted to kill him because of his faith in God. God was there. Peter and John beaten. Beaten for preaching the gospel, but given greater and greater opportunities to share the glory of God in Jesus Christ. God was there. Paul being stoned and shipwrecked and imprisoned, yet being assured that all things work together for good. To those who love God, God was there. All these people realized that God was there. They realized that God is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. But perhaps the most profound question, or the profound answer to the question, where was God on 9-11, has got to be the same place that He was as Jesus hung on the cross. As Jesus was enduring torture for my benefit and yours, God was there. Imagine the horror of seeing that. Imagine the agony of seeing the only begotten Son of God being tortured for your benefit. Imagine, friend, the anguish and the pain that he endured. Not just the thorns on his brow, not just the lashes on his back, not just the bruises that came from his captors, not just the plucking out of his beard, not just the nails in his hands and feet, not just the spear in his side. All this, indeed, plus, plus the weight of the world's sin crushing his body. Where was God? when His only begotten Son was dying, hanging on a cross. Didn't God know? Couldn't God have prevented it? Couldn't God have stopped it? Couldn't, couldn't God have done something? Was God totally helpless? Didn't God care? Well, of course He knew. And of course, the all-powerful could have stopped it. He wasn't helpless, and of course he cared. God knew it was happening, and he could have stopped it, but listen carefully. He didn't. He didn't. It appears that God had a larger picture in view. It appears there was some greater good that was being accomplished through the suffering and death of the only begotten Son of God, Jesus. Could it be that through the suffering of one, many would be made whole? Could it be that through the sacrifice of one, many could have their sins forgiven? Could it be that through the death of one, many could be made alive? God wasn't just sitting idle. God certainly wasn't just helpless as his son suffered. No, God was there. And God was permitting the schemes of wicked men for our salvation. But did you know that although God was there as Jesus hung on the cross, did you know that there was a moment when God the Father turned the back, His back on the Son? Did you know that as the sins of mankind were being placed on the sinless Son of God, did you know that a holy God would not and could not be 
in the presence of sin, so he turned his back on his son. And that made me wonder, did God turn his back on our country on 9-11? Because he couldn't stand our national sins? Makes me wonder today, might God turn his back on us again? Because of our national sins? About one year after 9-11, Focus on the Family magazine reported on a 54-year-old man named Al Bracca. Al Bracca was the vice president of Cantor Fitzgerald. And Al worked on the 105th floor of Tower One. They called him the Rev. I guess because all he talked about was Jesus, amen. But when Al realized that they were trapped, when Al realized that there was no escape through the calls and texts of some of the other victims' spouses, we learned that Al shared the gospel with over 50 people on the 105th floor of World Trade Center 1. And he prayed with them, and undoubtedly, many people were saved just before they died. On 9-12, many Christians changed. On 9-12, many Christians changed their tune, and incredibly, many Christians all of a sudden became witnesses. Imagine that. It appeared that Jesus might be coming soon. It appeared that time may be drawing short. I remember that about three months before 9-11, God had called me into the ministry. And I remember that I felt an incredible urgency to get out there and do what God told me to do. But we don't feel that urgency anymore. Look on it, it still looks like time's drawing near. Still looks like to me that Jesus could return at any moment. But on 9 12, we were all Americans. On 9 12, it seems like we had all received a wake up call. It seems like though we've gone back to sleep. And I wonder, friend, in light of the potential of Jesus coming today, are you being the witness that you were on the 12th of September 2001? Am I? 
the witness that I should be like I was on 9-12. That September the 10th mentality. That September the 10th mentality says, don't worry about it. There's plenty of time. That September the 10th mentality says, what is your hurry? Why have we returned to that nonsense? Why have we gone back to that place? On 9-12, we stopped wasting money on trivial things and we started making sure that we were helping other people and making sure that we were giving to the work of God. But today as a nation, we are spending ourselves into oblivion. And we are wrecking our children's future by our reckless spending. Lord, forgive us for forgetting the lessons of 9-12 so quickly. I remember on 9-12 was a record number for the Bible study that we had at work. I remember on 9-12, the Sunday following 9-12, that we had a record number at church. But just a couple of weeks after that, it seemed like it just fell off again. But there's something else that I learned from 9-11. I learned that Islam... It's not just another denomination. I learned that Islam is not like the Methodists down the, down the ray. It's not like the Catholics and the Lutherans. Just because they worship one God doesn't mean it's the same God we worship. And although in the United States of America, its citizens have the freedom to worship anyone they want to, we need to remember that we do not have to, nor should we, nor will we accept that Allah is the same as our Jehovah God. He's not. Now, in my view, Muslims bear the responsibility for the tragic events that transpired on September the 11th, 2001. Why? Because Muslims will tell you that you are their sworn enemy. Muslims will tell you you are the infidel. Their book, the Quran, commands them to kill all who don't believe in Allah. I've got a copy if you want to see it for yourself. And that book commands faithful Muslims to kill the infidel. So, am I supposed to respect the peaceful Muslims 
Am I supposed to respect Congresswoman Omar and Talib just because they're not currently obeying their book? What happens when those peaceful Muslims decide they're going to obey their book? You and I walk around like we have targets on our backs. We're Americans. And we are free. And we're not stupid. So let's don't act stupid. Amen. Remember 9-11. But more importantly, remember who you were on 9-12. And have that sense of urgency that today could be the day that Jesus returns. Where was God on 9-11? The same place He's been for all eternity. Seated on His throne of grace, looking forward to the day when His people would get off their backsides and start doing what He's called us to do for the kingdom of heaven. That's where He is. So are we setting ourselves up for another 9-11? Sure does seem so. How can we avoid it? How can we avoid the imminency of another tragic day like that? Here it comes. If you're ready, say amen. Live like it's 9-12. Live like it's 9-12. Friend, this is your wake-up call. Live with a sense of urgency. Come to Jesus Christ. Get right with God. And start telling other people that they need to get right with God too. Because all of our days may be numbered. Live like it's 9-12. Friend, if you're ready to make the first step in getting ready and living like 912, I want to invite you to come this morning to Jesus Christ. If during our invitation song you'll come forward, I'll show you what our book, the Holy Bible, says about how people can be eternally saved from the penalty of sin, they can be saved from the power of sin, and they can be saved from the presence of sin in heaven. Are you ready? Are you awake? Time may be drawing short.